literally put a rubber duck on your desk. And welcome back to another episode of Refactor, the show where we try and help ourselves and you suck just a little bit less each day. My name is Frank Cole. And my name is Chris Tonkinson. And this is episode 64, one of my favorite numbers. I wonder why. Recorded on March 31st, 2022. The powers of two. <laughs> uh, it's so my we, favorite I have, game I have, console. I a, Come on, that's gotta be, that was I, obvious. It's my favorite game console. Oh, I thought that was a computer science thing and not like some game like oh, it, Nintendo well, thing. Technically, it's kind of both if you think about it. 64-bit was the nature of the, you know, that well, was Well, right, whole, but your, which your is, mind went to video games and not being good at your craft, which but is, it's, I think, but what it's, I'm But it's here. talking about 64-bit, which is the, you know, the, the, the yeah, bitwise processing power of that, the there's machine. There's that philosophy degree coming out. No you know? way. No way. This is not yeah. spinning at all. They're totally, this they are absolutely spin. connected. Uh, we were talking. Uh, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about like PTO policies, unlimited yeah. PTO, blah blah blah. Um, I recently had a little bit of a job change, and it gave me insights into some different uh, different teams I hadn't had the privilege of working with before. They so I I found something that I think is just a little better. It's not there, by the way. Uh, according to what we talked about, our kind of at least my recollection of that discussion. Um, we both saw unlimited PTO policies as fraught, and I think we had slightly right. different takes on why that was. Uh, if I'm if I'm going back in time several weeks, regardless, the the bullet point here is I came across I came into contact with a team who had the following PTO policy l- loosely, and it was essentially uh, they didn't call it unlimited. I, f- I forget what the exact nomenclature was, but essentially uh, a flexible or an open. I think it might have been an open PTO policy. What that meant was. Uh, there was no finite number. There was no specific budget. However, in the policy that said we have an open PTO policy, maybe the first bullet was kind of setting ground rules. And this speaks to, I think, both both ends of the spectrum uh, in, a, in a fairly like even-handed way. Essentially, the verbiage was one week of PTO per year is probably not enough. Eight weeks of PTO per year is probably too much. And I liked, A, I like the approach. I like the tone. I like the thought process. I like the fact that there was a sense of boundary lines on both sides. Um, it doesn't do it for me, though. Like, I'm, I, am still, I am still not a fan of this approach um, for the following. I don't know what your thoughts are, but, but for the following reasons, I think it fails in a couple of ways. I understand the motivation at both, both just for human communication and the feels, right? Because the feels is reals, um, but also at the like documented policy level to say probably one week is not enough and probably eight mm-hmm. weeks is too much. I, I get where that is. Um, my primary issue, though, is like, okay, well, well, probably one is not enough. So is one enough? Right. Let's suppose that I'm I'm on the low end of the scale and I only took a week. Like, am I going to get in trouble? Is that enough? If if five days of PTO is probably not enough, is six days of PTO then enough by definition? Like, there's gray area there that I think we both had some discomfort with. Like gray areas because you kind of want to set expectations and you kind of have to be clear when you do that. And this is not exactly clear. The other side of it. I really like the language. Like eight weeks is probably too much because you're kind of capping it on both ends. The but it fails for the same reasons. Like mm-hmm. okay, eight weeks is probably too much, but it's not necessarily too much. And and if eight weeks is too much, then that means to me seven is okay. Right. And so you have this very wide. Like you have some people that might take a week and a half. You got some people that might take seven and a half, and mm-hmm. they're not violating the policy, but the outcomes are different, right? And so. Um, I mean, seven I weeks did. is almost two months. I mean, that is that is a that's a, that's lot a of time, huge dude. chunk of the year. And that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time off. That's a lot, a lot of time off. Yeah. Holy crap. I mean, don't get me wrong. It sounds fantastic. 
I would do that. I mean, it's it's a very generous. I can't see myself taking that much time. Like, oh, I just could. to be real I, for a minute. I, there's no way I'm taking seven weeks in a year. I mean, I I, I, I would not. if I had a if I had seven week vacation. Oh my gosh, I would I would if do I took, that all all the time. <laughs> if I actually took four weeks in a year, that would be that would be a lot in 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 my Man. world. Like for me to take. You could basically you, you that's could a just, week every quarter. So like what that's, you I know. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so I normally like I don't know. What can we just get personal for a second? Like I sure. normally take off the whole week of Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday, flat out. There mm-hmm. there is no close second. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I love I love cooking. That's usually like a two day event. You know, by the it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. Um, prepping for that because we like to have people over our house uh, when we when we're blessed to have that opportunity. So uh, set up, and I just like to get in the season. I just take the whole week, right? And nobody's okay. working Friday anyway, right? So right. we don't need to talk about about Friday. Um, and I usually take the week between Christmas and New Year's because. Mm-hmm. Things kind of slow down, you know, to some mm-hmm. degree. Um, I usually try to take that. It might work like a day, but generally I'm, I'm off that week as well. Mm-hmm. And then maybe the kind of normative uh, summer beach type vacation here in the Northeast. We do that anyway. I know, I know other places don't have that tradition, but a week in the summer to go, you know, somewhere. Somewhere. And then maybe a couple of days sprinkled throughout the year. Like I don't take, I wind up taking some usually in the second half of March uh, before things expire from rollover. But um, that's it. That's me. I'm like three mm. weeks, maybe four. Okay. Uh, if you count those other days sprinkled through, I don't know how you. I, uh, I, I do not usually take extra time around Thanksgiving simply because I don't need to because nothing is going on. And so I get, mm. I get the time off almost as a matter of course, because things are so quiet. It seems to yeah. me an actual waste of vacation days because I can go to work and just chill and, you know, it's yeah. very, very laid back. So I like doing that. Uh, I absolutely love. And you can also, those are the times of year. If you play it right, you're absolutely right. Take off like the middle week of January when everybody's crazy and harassed mm-hmm. uh, and then be there the week between mm-hmm. Christmas and New Year because you can actually get stuff done. Well, can do that. <laughs> There's nobody yeah. there bothering. I have done that a couple of years and it's also like I, I get it. I'm, I'm with that. Yeah. So you can skip the noise if you want to, and yeah, take off, yeah. A, take off a hyper busy week. Like, like you said, the beginning of January tends to be pretty noisy. Um, I love the week between Christmas and New Year's. Um, just this last year, my my company gave everyone that week off. Just here you go, gratis. Mm-hmm. Um, it was honestly one of the best things that the company did f- for you know employee satisfaction, things like that. I think that at barring circumstances where for whatever reason you have to have somebody in the office, it's on call or things like that. If you're in, if you're in a knowledge worker kind of thing and there is no immediacy required, close the office between Christmas and new year's. You're not getting squat done. Nobody's doing anything. Nobody's buying anything. Your clients aren't there. You're not there. Nobody's doing anything. It is a, it's, it's just a waste. So just Give them the week off. I think for, I think I think for most kind of like corporate type jobs, yeah. it's absolutely true. I I happen to not be in that position because I uh, we're in a seasonal industry, um, mm-hmm. and so we usually have things that are going live one one or one two, um, and Ugh. so that that becomes like crunch time, deployments, validation. Like there there is internal business going. Even even if our clients are not there, uh, and even if our end users are not active we're usually like at the end of the end of the um you know that little crunch time where where stuff just kind of winds up piling up at the end mm-hmm. um but yeah i think for most if if you're not in a seasonal if you're not in a position where you're launching stuff one one every year 100 percent, 100 percent. there's it's it slows down to the point where um it's it's pretty easy. anyway i thought um it was an interesting way to approach the problem and i right. think it spoke to setting an expectation that you're taking some and you shouldn't take too much. Trying to draw those bounds without being heavy-handed, I think it still suffers from the core problem with unlimited PTO. Like, I'm sorry, I think it still fails the my litmus test. Mm-hmm. I like the approach, and I like it as an iteration. It is not a revolutionary improvement in the in the policy. Um, it is an 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 evolutionary improvement, though. It is better than just saying it's unlimited. Um, because it also specifies that if you're going to take planned PTO of, of a week or less, um, or 
whatever the whatever if there's a break point at about a week if you're going to take less pto than that you got to let your manager know and get approval like four weeks in advance mm-hmm. and if it's going to be longer than one consecutive week you need six or eight weeks advance um and you're responsible for accounting for your work streams and making sure that there's somebody else that knows they are not going to get done or or finding somebody else to do them um so it does give you both agency and responsibility which i'm a huge fan of right like it gives somebody the respect and responsibility to be to to be accountable for what they're what they're supposed to be doing. Um, so I think it was it you know it wasn't just the the one to eight kind of verbiage. There were some other rules in there that level set. Um, mm-hmm. It was interesting. It, it was yeah, an interesting I, take. I did I, think again, evolutionary improvement, but doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna. I, I'm in line with where we were before. Uh, this is a step in that in the direction, but it's still vague. And yeah. there's there's just there's just no need for the vagary. There really isn't. Just set a policy. Yeah. If you want it to be seven weeks, make the policy seven weeks. You know, it's it, you yeah. know like like Jennifer Aniston in Office Space. Why don't you just make the minimum thirty seven pieces of flair? There's really no reason to get. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the ambiguity is really in anybody's favor. Yeah, that's where I land. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, yes. Okay. So that's cool, and it goes in the right direction. And I guess some some people like some people like the vagary because it's just kind of it's I don't know how to describe. It. It's more chill, you know. So the company seems less uptight about the vacation, and I I get that. You know, well, nobody, you don't nobody have to likes worry a stodgy, about it. Yeah, you don't have to and worry I, about it. Like, I, I, so I can I can appreciate the the effort on the uh, whoever's writing the policy or the the effort of company leadership to say, look, we get it. We're all just kind of here. We're doing our thing. It's it's no big deal. You know, and, and yeah, we're not we're not it, being absolutely we're not being slave drivers about it. Like, you know, like it's we respect you enough to be responsible with this, and so we don't have to set these rules like it's the second grade. I. Right. I do understand where it comes from, and I think a lot of organizations do it with that intent. They communicate it well, and I think in an individual case, it's often not a problem. But when you look at the long-term data, you see a trend mm-hmm. that if you have a traditional you know, uh, 15-day or 20-day PTO policy versus unlimited – you will see lower utilization in the unlimited policies. And I think there are organizations, I I hate to go here, but while I think most of the organizations, they have the best intents, they communicate it well, and they manage the program well, there are companies who know that people will take less time off if they call it unlimited and leverage that in a a backhanded way. Mm -hmm. And so I think as, as, as a leader, you know, you whenever you open your mouth, you're trying to think of all the different ways somebody could misinterpret you. Um, and one of them is like, okay, how could I be misinterpreted as this not being for your benefit? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's definitely with with the the wealth of information we have on the topic, that's definitely something that comes up yeah. um, in my mind, at least. Cool. Uh, I also wanted to call you out on spackle. Oh, so we didn't address this. We, we went in a whole different direction. I think it was last week. Maybe, um, you, you intro to, um, uh, you intro some topic, uh, with, with patching a hole and wasting a whole tube of this stuff. Um, there was another angle of that, that I wanted to go into and the conversation. Just never, it was never right for branching back off in this other direction. Okay, sure. Um, Well, we've got a new, we've got a clean slate now. Go for it. Right. Like, 99 gajillion percent of the spackle that is produced and consumed goes into construction industry, mm, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's produced and sold and used in like five gallon buckets, right? Uh, okay. And sure. so, so the industry, so when you say that, that, um, when you say that the, like, why don't they just sell it in smaller containers that's usable for this use case? I think like the industry knows where their use case is, mm-hmm. they're selling to contractors and handymen. They're not selling to you. And the market demanded something smaller. And so they like, okay, we'll make a small tube of it. And I don't care if you waste it because you're not my main customer. If you mm-hmm. stop buying it, I don't need you as a customer. That 99.5% of my inventory goes to the construction industry who's buying and using in bulk. They they have I, and my my counter argument. I'm not saying you're wrong in your analysis, um, but another way to look at this is no. 
they've actually done a really good job at identifying who their customer is. Your money for that little tube that's going to go mostly to waste is just icing on the cake. That's just a little extra margin on top. Um, mm. You know, I think like it's it's like this. If I'm if I'm a professional DBA, like I've got I've got a decade or two of experience. Yeah, you're in a professional DBA, systems. that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I'll, give you, I'll give you that much for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. We're in agreement. Continue. <laughs> if I'm, if I'm a professional, like a really high quality DBA with, with a decade or two of experience across multiple systems and big data and all this kind of stuff. And like, I, I know a guy who's got a friend who's a small business owner that has like uh, an e-com store built on WordPress, right? We, we have all cousins, been there. We've been here, right? yes. And, and, his, <laughs> and his cousin's nephews, uncles, former roommates, nephew wrote it himself, the right? Nephew, Built him it's, this it's website. It's always a nephew, and he's and always really good with computers. That's, that's really good I, with I got computers. a nephew who's, quote, really good with computers. With computers, yeah. <laughs> he does um, to computers. T-E-H, yeah. to computers. Um. And so, and as the professional DBA, oh yeah, it's a warm handshake. It's a connection. It's a, it's a midnight oil kind of side job. And so you say, yeah, I'll help you. The thing runs slow. Let me see what I can do for you. Mm -hmm. And the, the guy, this, this like, uh, uh, fabricated business owner says, great. Uh, if you can, if you can improve the speed or at least make it not get worse over time as we add more products to the inventory, uh, what is, I'll, I'll, can I retain you for $300 a month just to make sure this thing doesn't, doesn't blow up on me? It's a DBA. You, you look at this situation, you take a look at the code and yeah, the guy's nephew who's good with to computers, he, he's just the algorithmic, the algorithmic complexity of the code he wrote to manage this inventory and any comm system is just garbage, right? Yeah, it doesn't matter how awful. many products you have or don't have, it's going to run like dog. And so you say like, look, there's some limitations in the system. I'll do what I can. And, you know, maybe there's some things you can do on the database side that speeds it up a little bit. Okay. Mm -hmm. Business owner is now ecstatic because, oh, you know, the page was loading in five seconds and now it's three. This guy's a wizard. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and there your invoice goes on a monthly basis when you're not really doing a whole lot. Right. Right. I think anybody who's anybody who's been an entrepreneur, anybody who's had side hustles, like you see opportunities like this sure. where All it's like, hey, it's not hard. I'm not really fixing the root issue, but I'm driving enough value that this guy's willing to pay me a premium for it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was a really long road to hoe to make another example of where I think that's I think I think that's the industry saying. Okay, if these guys really want a small tube of it, I'll produce it as cheaply as possible, which means not providing a replaceable cap. Some of it goes to waste. I don't care. This is all gravy on top anyway. Mm, okay. And I, so I, again, not not calling you out for that analysis, but but I think when when you said they like they don't understand who they're selling to, I think that is what I would take exception with. Mm. I mean, to to argue, if we began arguing this point, we'd be talking about the business implications of of big spackle, which I don't think you or I or really anyone listening to this has I don't, any interest in. On the and, no, well, because I don't want to go on the public airwaves against big spackle. Big, like you, you don't, don't mess with go those guys. Big spackle. <laughs> I'm not. Look, I have I have a beautiful, healthy wife and three children. I. Don't want to jeopardize that way. <laughs> I would like to keep. I don't want any air accidents with small aircraft or hot tubs or anything <laughs> like this. I'm not interested in drawing the ire. You don't want. You don't want like a you know, like an 80 pound bucket of spackle to randomly fall off fall a off truck a building into, into <laughs> you, the into your car on the highway into going my 80 windshield miles an yeah. hour. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not interested in any sort of accidents befalling me. Here's what no. you're gonna do. You're gonna keep your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna pay for the car, but we're not gonna hear from you ever again. You see. <laughs> Uh, it, it was a good, it was a good opportunity to, to highlight, um, I think, uh, something valid, you know, we, we, in our field, there are different levels to the, the work that we, the work that we do and even doing what we think of as 
not 100% can often be very, very valuable to people. Yeah. On a slightly um, related note, well, we are just, hold on a second. Let me get my drink. And it also, it also becomes like a B2B versus a B2C question. There's a B2B versus B2C, but I was actually going to go in the direction of uh, the perception of the individual engineer. One of the problems that I run into with some of the engineers on, on my team is that they have, uh, they can downplay the value of what they're doing because it's so rudimentary to them. It's you know, whatever the it, what the thing, whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. the client has a problem. Fixing the problem, you know, presenting the solution is easy conceptually because they see, they understand technically underpinning what's going on, and they see very clearly what they would need to do to fix it, and the problem would go away. And it's very much a one and done, one plus one equals two kind of equation in their heads. It's very simple to them. What some engineers fail to do in those kinds of situations is actually appreciate the the level of knowledge and experience that they are bringing to the table in yeah. those in those situations. And so they go into a into a client conversation and say something like, oh, okay, I see that you've got this problem. Well, we'll just upgrade the server and, you know, it'll be fine. It's no big deal. This isn't, this actually isn't really a big thing. It's not to them, but it's huge to the customer. There's huge value to the customer. And so you're, you're actually downplaying yourself, which actually diminishes and cheapens your work, your value. And you, there's the old you, parable about the the company's got this big machine and it breaks and nobody can figure out what's wrong and it's blocking all of their production and they hire a consultant to come in and the guy looks at it spends 15 minutes puttering around poking holes and pushing buttons uh, he goes out to his truck he comes back five minutes later the machine's back online we're back in business no big deal right he makes it look easy and then the next week the company gets an invoice for ten thousand dollars and they say what in the world? You were here for 15 minutes. You changed a 10 cent, you know, pin uh, on one of the gears. Like, what? this is not worth $10,000. He says, yeah, but I'm not charging you for the time or the part. I'm charging you for the experience that I was able to come in and fix this business problem in 15 minutes with a 10 cent clip that would have cost you X trying other other avenues, right? And I'm, I'm butchering the parable, but it's kind of the same thing. It, it's, or it's Or it's related to what you're saying. Like, there's a lot that, and if you don't have the experience to know what your value is and what it's worth, yeah, you can underplay it severely in some cases. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, I, I actually think you did. You didn't do half bad with the with the story there. You didn't butcher it too bad. No, I didn't. I, did, I didn't do half bad. I did like three quarters bad. You did. <laughs> You're right. It wasn't half bad. It was worse. It was much. It was much all worse. bad. It was. It was. It was all. It was all bad. Well, you got them, my lord. <laughs> Back to your turnips. Yeah, moron. Gosh, can't take this guy anywhere. Good Lord. Um, Who hired it's, him? It's a, uh, it's, well, I'm not paying you. There's no, I mean, there's a clearly not paying you. Um, and so, have, you know, we remind. You think we, can get a, you think we get a sponsorship through the spackle industry? You think they'll, you think they'll underwrite this episode? Brought to you by American big spackle. spackle. I don't know if, is that a big spackle? <laughs> Brought to you by Big Spackle. Yeah, exactly. And the logo, the logo is just like black capital letters on a white background. And just flats on the wall right there. Yeah. (laughs) Give us money. Do it. Boom. Instant rich. (laughs) Um, So we... uh, a couple different approaches to this. Um, one of my, uh, one of my coworkers, what he likes to say is, uh, that, um, when he reminds his engineers, you know, what's easy to you is not easy to everyone else. You know, that's, so that's one way of putting it. Um, which is an incredibly easy assumption to make. It's very far too many smart people make it all the time. Right. Well, and then you fall into things like imposter syndrome and that's sort of, that actually informs why you downplay it. Ah, this isn't any really big deal because, well, no, but there's, it's the, the thought process is I'm not, it's not no big deal because I, I mean, I'm really not special or anything at this. And like, I'm just, I have faked my way to this point in my career. So it's clearly not a big deal. You know, so yeah, those wheels all kind of turn together. And, sometimes. and another manifestation, if you've ever heard somebody say, well, why didn't you just, or can't you just right again, mm-hmm. like curse of knowledge, 
because maybe nobody thought of that because mm-hmm. maybe you know a little more than they do, you know. And then and then on top of that, from an interpersonal perspective, being abrasive like that is just a, a clear path to success, right? Um, oh, it totally works every time it's tried. Absolutely. Yeah. I actually, everywhere. I find interestingly that when you started to say, well, can't you just or couldn't you just dot, 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 that actually led me down the other path because normally the people who start saying that sentence are usually on the Dunning-Kruger side of the equation. Dunning-Kruger, we talked about before. Remember, like thinking there you are, know a thing that you don't. Like it kind there of are, like, yeah, there are two four-letter words on my teams: should and just, because both of them are indicators that you have not thought this through. Like if I hear those words, you have skipped over some mental steps. You need to go back and rethink it and come back with an actual plan because yeah, things should work and they're not going to, and you're going to get blindsided by it unless you dig into the details. And if you just want me to do something, if it was so easy, why don't you do it? Right. Cause it's never, things don't just work like mm. they should, you know, at the, the number <laughs> of times you hear that and it's just in like you can map the conversations. I, I wish I could. I wish I did like a speech to text for all my meetings and store them so I could data mine. I guarantee you, leading into big catastrophes, you see an uptick in justs and shoulds, guaranteed. <laughs> and I'll call people out on it. I'm like, hey, brother, did you just should on me? Like, I will say that it gets a laugh like a half the time. You, um, yeah, well, right, because yeah, because of the sh. Honestly, on the front of it, did you just should yeah. all over me? <laughs> Gosh, uh, it that's those are those are good. Um, I think the 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 larger um, the risks that I look for uh, less about those uh, those kinds of assumptions about the tech uh, and uh, and maybe it's just because of the nature of the work I'm dealing with right now. Um, assumptions between individuals or between groups. So from the client to the vendor, um, th- those can be you know the assumptions about what is going to be done or what should be done and what isn't mm-hmm. going to be done things, you know, assumptions about what is part of the original scope and what is not part of original scope. Um, I have started to pick up on the, I have learned to pick up on the cues there. And when I see people, even if I, even if they may be right, if they're just guessing at what things uh, should yeah. be done or could be done, I'm like, Nope. Nope. Let's get everybody on the phone and we're going to go through this crystal clear so that everybody's on the same page about this. Yeah. You know, this is what's going to happen. This is what's not going to happen, which I find the not the negative section of that conversation is way more important because then a lot more enlightening. Yeah. Um, it's what, well, you know, when, when you and I did for software, remember what we did in the contracts, we actually had a, nobody, I, nobody has done this since. I still don't understand why if I ever have the opportunity to write my own contracts again in that kind of context, I will absolutely do it. We added a negative section. We added a section that said, here are things that we're not going to do. Here are things that are not included just to level no, set. I, I the, do, that, I do hey, see that. I do see that from time to time in like yeah? scopes of works, not, not like an MSA, but like in a scope of work. Yeah. I'll see, I'll see things that are called out in the negative. Um, now I hadn't, I hadn't seen that before we did it, which of course, actually, factually means we invented we it invented and everybody it. else's cribbing totally. our work. Yeah, they just totally cribbed it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but we, I, you know, we went out of our way to actually call out. You know, it was it was like the negative section, and it was just yeah, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. So that yeah. you knew full full bore in advance. This was this was not, and it's not part of the deal. And. It's it's not even okay. So any let me let me reset this sentence. Any contract is CYA for both parties, and you should treat well, it that that's way. That's the right? point of the um, contract. Yeah. But the the goal. Okay. So but setting that aside, the goal of this was actually not CYA or to be persnickety that well these are the things that we don't take care of. The goal of this was to help make sure we got the do side of the list nailed down. Right. Right. So when you start listing don'ts you're testing un- unstated assumptions in a lot of cases and mm-hmm. it can trigger conversations or hello can you play me a cha-ching sound business opportunities because i said well wait a minute wait a minute i thought that you were going to do that and then there's the business owner is the sales representative whoever you are you get an opportunity to say well no that's not typically included in our work but we can build that into the package right and of mm-hmm. course that means you can pay me to do that i'm happy to do so 
but at this price level, it's not included, right? And so right. there are a whole lot of reasons that that makes a whole lot of sense to actually bed into the the yeah. language. I, I I will I want to point out you you did the cynical definition of a of a contract being CYA. Um, the affirmative style of contract, which I actually prefer more, is you know if you have a if you have a relationship and you actually want that relationship to be happy happy and healthy and whole, both parties want a well-defined contract because yeah. it eliminates any of the gray area and eliminates so the now, did risk you or of your arguments. Wife, and did things you like or that. your wife draft the prenup is my next question. Yeah, Don't isn't answer that. that, I um, mean, right. That's it. You know, you, I mean, I didn't no, want to go there, but, but I, I found a, myself yeah, going you know, there. It's, uh, I mean, yeah, that's, that is the, we're, we're, I'm going to step around that one. Cause that has its yeah, own we, stuff. We, let's, let us please avoid that. Yeah. We're just going to avoid that one. But, but, uh, in business, like I a, think of the healthy I, working big, relationship, another sidebar. I just, I, I, it rings of like, uh, What's like that? big bang theory. You know, there's the roommate contract and the relationship agreement and the, oh, all the roommate agreement. You're talking about the roommate yeah, agreement. Yeah, with, the with roommate his, agreement. It's, and then the it's relationship a, agreement. Hundreds yeah. of pages long with all sorts of yeah. clauses and yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So let's see here. I had uh, I had an issue this week. So my wife's Mac died on us. Womp womp. Yeah. And um, got a new one. And Did you get the uh, M1? Um, it is a... Uh, it, it is reasonably up to date. I got it. Uh, I got it from a from a uh, from a friend who who has uh, had some excess inventory. And oh, so um, is is it an M one or no? It's not. Uh, how uh, twenty nineteen? When was the M one released? I actually don't know the specs of it offhand, mm, so I'm not sure if it's M one or not. It might be. Maybe. maybe I don't, I don't I know don't when know. they when they came out. Yeah, it was it was it my was gut late, tells me no, but maybe probably late twenty nineteen model something like that. Anyway, okay. Um, so my, my wife's laptop died. We got a new one. Uh, and, uh, we started doing the, the data recovery cause I, she had carbonite on the, uh, on the Mac and, uh, went to install carbonite. And, uh, th- there's, there, uh, there's a couple things I'm going to cover in this story. So this, this will be interesting and useful. So carbonite, that's a name I have not heard in a v- now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. She's been using Carbonite. <clears throat> uh, I won't bury the lead. We're probably not going to be using Carbonite moving forward here. Um, Ooh. Because uh, it looks like Carbonite has been bought and sold at least once, if not more times. Uh, the website now points to uh, when you now sign in, you have a drop down of sign in options to cover a plethora of different products that are all under the same banner. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the Carbonite logo is, is like Carbonite. Like different a, types of backup service or it, like other unrelated it's technology semi, solutions? It's semi-related technology. Somebody's been hoovering up a whole bunch of different products and they're all underneath of a single banner now. Um, gotcha. and the Carbonite logo says Carbonite, a such and such company. I forget who the heck the, right. the parent is. So it's, it's become this conglomerate and you and I, well, I don't know about you, but me, when I see that, I know red flag. As soon as the product has been bought and sold and now is part of a larger suite of products that are all sort of getting smashed together, the overall quality of that product, not always, but generally tends to go down because these things are now being handled in a in a mass quantity sort of way. You know, the original teams start to depart. They, they start to get handed off to... Um, newer teams and it's usually in a maintenance mode so that usually means uh near shore or offshore um and you know quality tends to take a dip and and that seems to have been the case here first of all you you, you yeah, that, that you, can it's not a not a universal truth it can, it certainly can happen can, i've seen it happen before yeah i've seen it happen multiple times enough to know that yeah. it's a red flag for me it's a possibility yeah yeah, yeah. it's something if, well, if it happens, like that, it doesn't mean that I'm going to drop the tool. Let me be clear about that. It's just like, oh, right. you've been bought. Peace out. That that's not what well, I'm it's saying. A constellation of right, exactly. It's not. Oh, there was a there was M and A, and so I'm out. Right, but it's there's M and A, and then if service quality suffers in the in the short to medium term after that, or if right. you know uh, p- 
product stability suffers, and that those are it's not the M and A that's the red flag. It's whether things get better or worse in the twenty four months after. Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds like uh, it sounds like maybe they didn't get better in this case. Well, I mean, think about I'll give you a perfect example. So uh, you go to the Carbonite website, you hit login. The login that it sends you to doesn't log you into my wife's account. Like it, it, it didn't work. We had. Oh, yeah. So it's a real login. It just doesn't go to that set of user credentials. I had to go to this other login page where I select the product from a dropdown. Like, what are you trying oh, to how, log into? How stupid could you have been? Right. Frank? You and had that, to go, not that login page, the other login, the other login page. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> dummy. What an idiot. So, um, so that was the first warning sign I saw. Uh, but then I actually went to install it and the product didn't install in, in the map nice. appropriately. So I had to, I had to scour articles and I ended up having to, this is on a Mac. So I had to, they had an installer package. I had to, I had to actually probe into the, to the package file, find the actual executable, run that, but that installer didn't actually install. What it's doing is it's actually just running the executable is just running from the download location inside of the installer. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, gross, right? But I, but that's not evident at first, okay? So it's just, it looks like it goes through because Mac, you know, loves to make this stuff just so, you know, so easy and non-technical. I couldn't tell what was actually going on at first. So the the app starts and I'm thinking, okay, that was a little annoying, but I got there, it's installed. Well, in the newer versions of Macs, Carbonite needs uh, l- greater levels like a, of access. The the security like a kernel extension. It's not a you kernel extension. There's thing. a function inside of, in the security settings of the Mac. I think it's allow access to all files and folders. It's 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 a root level gotcha. access. Like but a there's a security option. Thing, yeah. Right. There's a security option in in the Mac that you have to grant an mm-hmm. exception for this product. Mm-hmm. Okay. I go in there, I gotta go find the application. It dutifully opens up the applications folder. Carbonite's not there because I learned later it was running from where I downloaded it. So so I yeah. see this, it's got the icon in the corner. I can see the applications running. It's not listed in applications. I am pulling my hair out. Like, what is going on? It's driving me batty. Now I started with the end. I told you what was actually going on just because, you know, I didn't want to make this an epic saga. The way that I got to this answer after, you know, noodling on some articles was I, I went back to my, um, went back to my friend who, who had, who had helped me get a hold of it, um, and, uh, had explained what was going on. And I was like, Do you, have you, cause he administers Max. Have you ever seen anything like this before? You know? And I started to explain it and talk him, talk through it. And in the talking through of the symptoms, I, that's when I realized it might be running from the download location. And so I go back to my permission settings in the security thing. And instead of looking in the app folder, I actually go to the downloads folder. I identify the installer package and say, grant this thing access to all files and folders. Right. And voila, it starts working immediately. You know, the permissions worked and we're off to the races now. It's still not installed properly, and I had to grant access to a downloaded installer. So that is just, you know, big fat fail on on Carbonite's fault. The problem is, like, let's say, let's just suppose the Carbonite product itself is still just as good as it ever was. And I never use this, so I don't know how good it is. But let's assume that the the product quality uh, in so much as the core feature set is is unchanged from whatever level it was. So you had some M&A and now, oh, yeah, all of the packaging and installation stuff, we have a central, we have a department, we have a team for that. There's a guy, you got to talk to Jimmy, Jimmy over here, he's in the deployment team. They can deploy stuff to Windows, to Mac, to Linux, they get to iOS, they can deploy things anyway, it's great. Mm-hmm. And then the problem is, even if the core product functionality is unchanged, because of what you said, like after M&A, you can have these weird combinations of things and, and whatever else the introduction of the user experience the installation is a pretty key part of mm-hmm. the overall story of feet feels is reels 
Um, and if you botched that, then I, even if you can give me an explanation like what I described, it doesn't assuage your concerns that other things are not going to be up to snuff. Yeah, I mean, despite despite my wife's uh, efforts to to keep my ego grounded, I know I'm pretty damned good at applications and installing them and navigating a website. And, you know, this is this is kind of my shtick. I've been using and building them for a while now. I think I know how to do them pretty well. So the fact that I got lost in your navigation scheme for logins is a really, really yeah. bad sign. And the fact that I had to go digging in a Mac, like it wasn't even Windows, it was Mac, <laughs> which yeah. is supposed to be the easy one to to get the application running properly also does not does not bode well for for you at all so um we've gotten the, the the there's a happy ending here the application ran we recovered all my wife's files so she's not out anything that's good and, and now, now i'm on time the hunt. machine yeah and well uh, oh is that do you recommend that because i actually am not sure what i'm going to use on her stuff yet you like time machine I've, I've used it before successfully yeah i had a i had a weird setup because i had like a um I had a uh, a NAS mm-hmm. on my LAN uh, with ZFS, and I was like exporting uh, sparse block level devices over. Um, it's not NTFS, uh, like a Samba Share or something like that. I think it might have been an might have been an iSCSI uh, sparse block device export. I forget. It was years ago that I did the I had this setup. Um, anyway. Time Machine, because normally by default, Time Machine doesn't really do you any good if you drop it in a lake because the backups are on the computer. And so in my mind, they're not actually backups, right? Those Mm -hmm. are just copies of things. Yeah, Um, I agree. But so I had I actually had Time Machine mounted to the NAS. And Mm -hmm. so it was, you know, and so we solved for that. Um, It worked pretty good. It worked even though the setup was hacky because I was doing weird, nerdy Linux stuff and trying to get it to work with uh, technically BSD, I guess, free NAS. But um it it worked. Time Machine was a, was a good product. I would be surprised if if you can't pay ten bucks a month uh, to, to throw Apple. those encrypted backups up on Apple services. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna look. There are a number of backup services out there. I've identified a few, but I want something that is uh, offloaded. I want it not in a system that I host. I want to use you know yeah. like I want to push it to someone else and let it be their problem. And it has to be just block level as changes are made. Just keep the files mm-hmm. up to date. So at any point, yeah. if the thing dies, all of the relevant data is is pushed out there. Yeah. And I and I, I Dropbox is nice, and I use Dropbox, but that is a that's a single location. I want coverage for you know all of the things, regardless of where the files happen to live, because I'm not going to take your meaning. So uh, so Dropbox works by you have to tell Dropbox, hey, this is your Dropbox. I, I know how Dropbox works. Like, what's your issue with it in this in this context? Uh, my wife, you know, uses the Mac the way that the Mac is, you know, set up. And so they use different applications, have different default file locations for different things. It's not just simply oh, so a she's, folder. So, so the goal of this is like a, an end to end complete system backup, not just like your you know, well, I can't location. set, well, let me, let me put it this way. You can't set <clears throat> in Dropbox. You can't set the user directory, the Mac top level user mm-hmm. directory. That is not your Dropbox folder. That's not how it works. Oh, so Dropbox so, so she puts, a, she puts her photos in the photos folder and music in she the music uses, folder. Like she as uses the, the Mac's default navigation. I, I got you. I so, got you. So, and Dropbox is a folder in there, but right next to Dropbox is her photo, photos and her right, right. videos and you mm-hmm. know, all that crap. Gotcha. So, um, yeah. it's got to be something more, more, uh, a deeper level. In. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I use Dropbox I and I keep everything. Like, if, it, if I, I yeah. know that if it's important, I'm putting it into that folder and yep. then I don't even I just need same to think about with, it. With NextCloud, it yeah. works great. Yeah. So, and I, then I, I just back up that server. And I just back, it, right. You know, Yep. And I just use Dropbox and I know that I'm good. And then if my whole system gets blown away, well, I'm going to have to reinstall apps, but I know that my yeah. irreplaceable data is saved. So, you know, yeah. I'm good. You, you pull your apps offline, you you get uh, get clone your dot files again, and you're, you know, you install the the sync service, your backup. You're up, you're, you're up and down. Yeah. Exactly. It'll take you a little bit. I, I got to take some time to reinstall. I, I, I do it on a Windows box, so I've got to go through all of my installers and stuff. But that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's no big deal. Um, so anyway, um, that was, uh, that was a quite a, a, a sidebar. 
reason I brought all this up, um, one, the red flag about, about products being acquired. Uh, I like, I subscribe to the, the, uh, Linux, well, excuse me, the, the, uh, GN, GN Unix school of thought that, uh, if you have a tool, it should do one job really, really well. Um, as soon as these tools start to coalesce and, you know, combine them, buying and selling, and you build these conglomerates and things like that, you have a tendency, not a guarantee, but a tendency for the quality to drop off. And that seems to have been the case here. Carbonite, when it was its own standalone product, was outstanding. And I, well, and we can point to a million examples of this. You yeah. got HipChat, you got Skype, you got, I mean, there's just a million different products that we've seen even in the last 10 or 15 years. I'm watching Slack closely. I'm watching Slack. Slack, very yeah, with the Oracle, closely. right? No, yeah. uh, Salesforce. Um, they got bought by Salesforce. Salesforce. I, I beg your pardon, not, not Oracle. Yeah, how um, dare you? But you got to, we talked, well, we talked a couple of months ago about uh, Activision, uh, Activision by, by Microsoft, right? Yep. So that's when you're watching. Mm hmm. Exactly. So, so it's not guaranteed, but it's certainly something that's like a, that's a, that's a red flag. And so you keep an eye on that. Um, and generally I like going for individual products because I know having done the startup game, I know what's going on in the background there. You're going to have a higher attention to quality and detail than you will again, not guaranteed, but generally than you will in these larger conglomerate situations because you have a team that's hungry trying to be successful and the only way you're going to be successful is if you have a good product that you know is yeah i think in the in this sort of traditional structure of things that can that can be largely true right if mm -hmm. for, for anybody that maybe doesn't understand what we're talking about there like you have you have a startup and it's a 20 person team and everybody knows what's going on all the time they're all in sync and they're all rowing in the same direction and everything's great and it's a small company so everybody's wearing all the hats and that's one kind of environment, work environment, and it produces a certain type of product. And it's not great for a whole lot of reasons, by the way. And then you have like, as that, let's say that company gets funded or, or it's purchased or, you know, it just grows organically as it, the company gets bigger and bigger. So you have this situation that happens where as the company grows in size and scale and scope of operations, it requires more specialization because things get more complicated in individual areas of responsibility and in individual functions. And so that specification starts to drive whole teams and departments and divisions that focus on that problem because it requires the depth and breadth of experience of dedicated people to handle those problems. And now you have a situation where everything is designed by committee, right? And you can get something done according to the letter of the objective, but what you wind up with out the other side of the, of the, you know, product machine is usually not optimal right? for any particular uh, for any particular use case because you know it's just designed by a committee. And now there are other there are other ways to do this. And I think I'm I am still and I'm in a very regulated industry, so it's it's difficult for me to really do this in practice. But I I super love the tight knit. I think uh, it's it's a squad mentality. It's almost kind of similar to Scrum, but sort of blowing that out to the operational level where you have a dedicated team that's kind of full stack. You build it, you run it, you own it, you're accountable for it. Um, I think that drives, even in a larger enterprise, mm. that kind of orientation, that kind of, you can call it value stream alignment or scrum on steroids or whatever. But to me, that is the way to scale an organization, but keep what makes a startup a great environment for quality output. Um, now there are other things that you have to overlay on that still, it's not a panacea. You can't just flick the switch and then receive great results. Um, but I mm -hmm. always look for opportunities to try to, to try to approach that. And again, regulated industry, you got to worry about separation of concerns and all of this sort of thing. And it uh, becomes kind of, if anybody's, uh, got, um, if anybody listening has experience with this in, in another organization, they've seen that pulled off. I would, I would love the feedback. I, th I think you hit the nail on the head with, you know, <clears throat> call these things, whatever you want. They're, I don't, I don't care about the label. It's about a team that actually has agency ownership and authority, you know, they, yeah. they, that they, you can transfer, you can transfer ownership of a thing. If the new team understands that they own that thing and they, they value it. It's not yeah. just a team that's, you know, 
you toss something on their desk and now they've got to deal with it on top of, you know, other things. Like if they have a real sense of ownership to yeah. the thing that they are responsible for, then the quality won't necessarily drop. So you're right. It's it's not guaranteed. And even in large organizations, you can do it. It's, it's, it's about making sure that this is your thing. You have to take care of this. This is your baby. Accountability. Yeah, like can we do- but also success. Owning the result and owning the decision-making. That's what it really boils down to. Well, to me, that is that is that is accountability, right? So you can have like the sort of management, you know, management 101, let's talk about the racy matrix for, you know, there is value in that. But the A, right, the accountable party, mm-hmm. accountability in my mind means a little more than sometimes it gets used, right? That, right. That, that, wasn't a, that wasn't a valid sentence, at least in English. Um the accountability is not just, okay, you're responsible for checking all the boxes and filling out all the forms and making sure that the meetings happen and the boxes get checked and that everybody, you know, and you adjust timelines. And if things shift, you have to adjust expectations that things are going to be later. It's not that. Like, it's mm-hmm. actually owning the outcome. Mm-hmm. Like, that is, that's what it is in my mind. And that's mm-hmm. what it needs to be. And and when that's the case, and I think you're right, it can be a matrix organ a matrix organization. You can use squads or scrum or value stream along, whatever you want to call it, that's fine. If there if that ownership component is actually there, I think you have success. And the mm-hmm. structure kind of doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's I I think it really boils down to just the person who is above this team, the the manager over and above and in charge of that team, being explicit and saying, this is yours now. You take care of this and you own the results. If it if if you're just simply the one doing the work but then the credit for the work goes to your boss or you know the broader team and things like that where 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 the the individual contributions are not adequately recognized, that's where you run into trouble, I think. Um and this is this can be a systemic culture wide issue inside an organization. It can also be isolated to an individual team, which yeah. goes along with what we're saying here. It can work in small orgs and it can work in large orgs. It can also not work in small and large. It can yeah. not work on a team level. And then, you know, but more broadly, it, it works across the organization. You know, I've seen that kind of stuff. You know, you have you know, that one toxic manager or that one toxic mm-hmm. team inside of a company that is otherwise pretty awesome. You know, I've seen that mm-hmm. kind of thing happen before. It's really just about bright the, spots, like yeah, a crummy organization bright, bright that has a really yeah. good leader. And yeah, yeah, I think it works both ways. Yeah. And then um, you've got organizations, uh, you've got organizations that uh, work really well in spite of leadership. Like sometimes, you know, you've got yeah. uh, like, like all of just, my people. <laughs> <laughs> I have described I've, I, I have described organizations before in a way like, uh, okay, you take the whole organization and if you just chopped off the entire C-suite and just got rid of them and everyone took a single step up, the organization would be amazing. You know what I mean? Because you've right. got right. At, the, at the VP level, you've got all these amazing people. They've done a great job of hiring amazing people. And then at the top, because of Reasons. reasons. I mean, there's all yeah. they've, multitudinous. You've just got this collection of just not yeah. just bad eggs. But because they have such an amazing team directly underneath of them, the thing works in it spite works of anyway. themselves. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There, there's all kinds of weird yeah. things that can happen. The point is, in this case, for to, to keep the product running smoothly and effectively, the person or or group or whatever directly over and above the product in question needs to tell the team, this is yours. Now you own it, the success, the failure, yeah. and give them the age, the authority to do what they need mm-hmm. to do. And the they, need to have a, yeah, set- they need to have a seat, seat at the table. That's the most important thing you do that. And you can mitigate these problems. I think in most you build cases. a team with, you build a team with smart people that you can trust. You set them mm-hmm. in the right direction. You get the hell out of their way. I mean, that is, that is the success. That is how you scale a business at yeah. its, at its root. That's yeah. how you, besides making more money, right? I mean, I have one, um, we are, we are running short on time. I see. Uh, I want to, I want to do a fourth wall break here for a moment. We, we I backload this at the end of the episode. Uh, we don't normally like address, talk about the show or address the audience directly here, but I want to mm-hmm. do that for just a hot second. Sure. Um, it's, it's my desire. And I think I would speak for you as well, Frank, on this. 
it is it is my deepest desire to get more feedback on this show. Um, so I don't know how we exactly go about that at this point. Um, but you and I, we started this because we uh, we just have a lot of things to talk about and why not record it, right? That was the sort of genesis of the whole idea here. And we could go, I think we could go into triple digits. Uh, I, I'm sorry, we could go to quadruple digits with the show numbers uh, before we run out of things because of the nature of our jobs, right? We, right? we live at the intersection of the leadership and technology, and then we add in all the the childish shenanigans, right? That's the formula, and it works really well. Um, I would love myself, I would love by the time we get to triple digits, I would love for feedback to be driving the topics rather than us with our endless supply of them coming in. Um, so mm -hmm. I don't know, I don't know how Frank, how you and I do that or, but, but dear listener, um, we, we, I, I can say at least for my, myself, I, I desire the feedback. Uh, the emails, the the letters, the the voice memos. I really want my desires for that to play, um, that to play the big role, that to be the big part of the show moving forward. Because I think um, I think there's a lot of value there for everybody. Right. Well, and and so so to those who are listening, we're talking to you. No, you. Yeah, directly. You. Yes, yeah. you. Not not the other guy. No, not him. Ignore him. He's an idiot. No, you. We're talking to you, <laughs> and we want you to let us know. Not not even if you want to give opinions and feedback on what we're saying. Great. If you've got questions, great. If you have a question that you already know the answer to and you want to tee us a tee us up with a with a grapefruit, sure, go for it. I would love that. Or if if you want to tee or up, spike us with something that's a ridiculously difficult to answer question, watch us squirm. Like we, I get. Yeah, we will respond to it. I I my commitment and and if Frank doesn't want to take part, I'm not going to put you on this. If you send us something, we will figure out how to get it on the show, even if it's off the wall. I just I want to set the tone that that is my desire for the show moving forward. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, and or or here's here's a good one. Uh, tee, tee up. If, if you've been listening for a while now, you've you've got a uh, you probably have a sense of, you know, my posture versus Chris's posture. If you want to tee us up on something that you think he and I will agree, we'll fight about. disagree, disagree on yeah. and fight about. Yeah. Like. I, that would be great. I would love to ring the bell more often. So, oh yeah, um, that's that is all on the table. So you know, get creative, get nefarious, and uh, let us know uh, what engage, you're what right? you're that's, thinking. I, yeah. Oh my, I, I didn't want to use the you engage. It's no, engagement. engagement. Oh, no, like generally, this is this is a just a casual conversation, and we want more than two voices in it, and mm -hmm. and and to keep it spicy and so forth. And so that's. Uh, anyway, I don't know, Frank, if you have anything else to add that. Is, no, that's a good um, I, I, I like that. Um, I like that plea uh, request, uh, whatever um, we actually. So I know I'm watching the time. Um, the reason I brought all this stuff up about Mac and and all that um, was actually we went completely sidebar on. It, but I don't want to lose this rubber ducking the problem. Okay, that's how I solved this. I reached out to my buddy. I oh, explained really? what was going on. He didn't actually give and me the answer. Realized, it was just yeah. in the act of having to explain it to another person, I figured the yeah. solution out. And so for anyone- you activated who, a different part of your brain. So yep. if anyone has never, doesn't know what I'm talking about, rubber ducking a problem means you, and I have done this and I know Chris has done this. We've done it with each other. Uh, you you just need to talk out the issue. And sometimes if you don't have someone around, just having a little rubber duck on your desk and just imagining the rubber duck is another person and you are explaining the problem that you are dealing with to this other person. You have to start from scratch. They don't have any of the context that you have. And so you have to go through it in a stepwise fashion. Step, Simply yeah. uh, activating that part of your brain to walk through the problem with another individual can often lead you to the solution. And so if you... Yeah. If you do not have the notion of rubber ducking in your toolbox, you should absolutely have it there. And so it's useful if yeah. you have somebody, but if you don't have somebody, just literally put a rubber I had, duck. I literally, I had, wait, a, wait. I had a little rubber duck with like a, like he was dressed like a farmer for years. And then one of the kids stole it. And now I have like a wobbly dog toy lit, that's to this day on my desk. He's holding so it up. If you, he's holding it up to the camera. He was, he was about to hold it up I to am. the camera. 
<laughs> yeah, and then I realized this is an audio format, y'all. Yeah, nobody uh, cares. So uh, if you've got a duck on your desk uh, or anything else that you'd like to talk about or ask or comment on or or cause Frank and I to fight about, uh, mm-hmm. please, we, we yearn for your feedback. Uh, feedback at refactor.work is one way you can do that. You can send us an email or a voice recording from your phone. Uh, uh, if you look at the uh, show notes uh, at refactor.work, you've got episode archives, book recommendations, um, back episodes, the whole the whole nine yards there. You can find Frank's ramblings online at hotcoles, K-O-E-H-L-S.com, and my own at tonkinson.com, T-O-N-K-I-N-S-O-N. Which is and, exactly uh, how it, it sounds, let's be honest. Which is how it sounds, right? It but is, you'd be totally. surprised how many people butcher. Oh my gosh. Um, it's, it's awful. It's awful being me. Uh, this has been episode 64, recorded March 31st, 2022. Thanks a lot, Frank. Appreciate Thanks, you. Chris. See you.